Will Collins is bringing the word today, so I'm going to have him make his way up here. Yes, sir. Um, Will and I go back about four or five years now, um, and in this transition of becoming pastor, it was so neat because I didn't have to uh, look far uh, for our worship leader. God just kind of orchestrated it and uh, worked with him on some songs um, in the studio, and then when it was the Lord was saying yes to pastoring, it was like, well, I don't have to look far because this is my good friend who is like such an anointing to lead worship. Can we, how many agree with me on that? Like this guy's a Levite. <laughs> Pastor Andrew, man, you snuck in here. He tried to sneak. I'm not going to let you sneak like that. Stand up. This is our new Warren Campus pastor right here. Monica, come on. I see you tried to hide in there. You did. You got to follow the schedule. No, you're not in trouble. Oh, we're really excited for, for them. I still love you, by the way. I just got excited over here. So, Added pressure. Added yeah. pressure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, added pressure. Hey, today, today, Will, you'll be preaching in front of Pastor Mark, the Pastor Emeritus of the church, myself, Pastor Andrew, and a, a plethora of other ministers. Don't blow it. No, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Come on, come on. You love this guy? <laughs> that was funny. No, but uh, we've been really thankful for him uh, as a friend here and a minister. I can't tell you the number of times that he is ministering to someone that it did not come through the church office, like all the time. Someone's telling me about, uh, you know, their friendship and how he helped them and prayed with them or had coffee with them and worked through something difficult. There's such a call in his life to minister, so we're so thankful for him. Why don't you bow your heads, because we're going to receive our offering. I know most of you guys are given digitally now, but if you do want to uh, still give in person, you can do that at the back uh, as you exit. And actually, don't exit this way today. Exit this way to my left, because we had water come up under the carpet. So we have a Unexpected expense coming up, but um, good segue. Thank you for your faithfulness uh, to tithes and offerings. Really, it means a lot to us. Why don't you bow your heads? Father, thank you so much for who you are. Thank you, God, uh, for all of those who are so faithful in their generosity. Lord, it's amazing. Uh, allowing us, uh, God, to fulfill this crazy vision of 10 churches in 10 cities in 10 years. God, we will see Trumbull County transformed by the power of the name of Jesus. So I thank you, God, for the partnership. Thank you, God, for those who have said yes in their faithfulness and their generosity. We ask a blessing on their lives, an extra blessing on all the moms today. May they realize how deeply they are cherished and loved in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. 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 One more time, let's welcome Will. Amen. Well... Yeah, added pressure. No, uh, I'm actually really, I'm, I'm beyond honored because you're my family and I love you so much, but I'm also really, really nervous. For any of you who saw me last month at Immerse, even just singing without my security blanket of a guitar on me, I felt foolish. I got like 20 memes from people, what do I do with my hands and all this stuff when I'm, and, uh, and now I get to preach um, to people that I love so much. And there's that pressure. Actually, I was, I was on my way to a leadership meeting after church last Sunday, and I told Pastor Jordan in the car, he was riding with me, and I said, I'm really nervous about preaching next Sunday um, because, you know, I, I haven't done it that much, and I'm going to set aside this amount of time. And he said, you know, I'm wanting the encouragement of my brother and friend. And he said, yeah, I'd, I'd be pretty nervous too. That guy today was an 11 out of 10. He was an 11 out of 10. I mean, I wouldn't want to follow him up. So he's like, good luck with that. And then, and then, you know, he's like, I'm sure you'll do great. So, yeah. So Pastor Jordan has started a sermon series titled Why. Why we worship, why we study God's word, and why we start churches. It's a lot of fun to get really deep into the word, right? It's a lot of, a lot of fun to, to learn things that we, we never knew before and to dive deep into God's word but it's always really vital to know why we do what we do. Pastor Jordan always reminds us in staff meeting that the why is more important than the what. So today, if our vision is leading people to follow Jesus together, and our vision is to plant and to start churches, we better know why we're doing it, right? And we need that reminder sometimes. So today, um, 
that reminder is why we worship is because worship brings unity. So I know today's Mother's Day, and I'm not preaching a typical Mother's Day message. In staff a few weeks ago, uh, somebody asked Pastor Jordan what uh, women he had sharing the message for Mother's Day, and he said, I got Will. So, uh, so this isn't a typical Mother's Day message, but I do think it's going to tie together. So to add to the pressure that we already joked around about of having uh, other pastors here and mentors, uh, my parents are here today. And I want to take a minute before I honor my mom. That, Tab, you are my wife. God has provided the most amazing mom to our children, the most amazing wife. Tab, I love you. So today... Can you hand me that, Pastor Jordan? I want to honor, don't worry about the cameras. I warned them I'd be pulling a Pastor Mark and running off the stage. <laughs> Mom, I love you so much. I love you too. All right. My mom is an amazing woman. In the middle of incredible trauma dealing with my sister's illness, many of you know, some of you don't, my sister Amanda, my youngest sister, died in 2004 after a long illness. Uh, she died of leukemia. But I can say that my mom always kept her focus and our focus on Jesus. She taught me so much about unity, even though she didn't use that word. Much of who I am today and the way that I respond to situations is because of her. I love you, Mom. So one of my favorite movies is Gladiator. And in Gladiator, oh yeah, we got the... In Gladiator, they say you got to win the crowd, and then you can do whatever you want. So I just gave my mom flowers. So I'm pretty much good to go at this point, right? All right. All right. I love this quote you're going to see on the screen by Edmund Clowney. It says, when we worship God as we ought, that's when the nations listen. As I mentioned, the message today is titled, Worship Brings Unity. And when we're willing to walk in obedience, to worship God with all of ourselves, and not just on a Sunday morning, then the people that we've been wanting for so long to know Jesus can see him in us. There's something in the spiritual realm that gets unlocked when we worship in spirit and truth. When we're in unity, it's like there's a veil or a curtain that gets drawn back and Jesus is seen instead of us. We talk about it all the time on the worship team. It's beautiful. It's amazing. I can't tell you how many people have asked why there's so much fruit at Immerse Nights or why when we worship together that people get healed and come to know Jesus and amazing moves of the Holy Spirit happen. And I'll tell you right now that it has nothing to do with me except for obedience. There is an anointing that happens and is actually commanded by God Almighty when we are in unity. And we see that in Psalm 133. It's going to be up on the screen. Hopefully you can read it. Behold how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It's like the precious oil on the head running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the collar of his robes. It's like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Guys, this is a big deal. We don't see that too many times in Scripture. There's not too many places in the Bible where there's such an obvious demand or command of a blessing. Another place is the, is the blessing when we read in Revelation, in the, book, the beginning of the book of Revelation, where he says those who read aloud or sing aloud, I like to sing out of Revelation. Pastor Jordan was doing that this morning, singing, holy, holy, holy. There's a commanded blessing. But if I was preaching on Revelation this morning, Pastor Jordan would be the one who was terrified instead of me. I could just see his face as I'm talking about the mark of the beast and the timing of it all and you know, all, the, all the stuff we're seeing on Facebook now. So I saved you that pressure, Pastor Jordan, so you could just enjoy this morning. All kidding aside, this is a huge deal, guys. I want the blessing, don't you? If there's a commanded blessing that if we can do something if we, Because God does so many things for us. If there's something that I can do that there will be no option but to have a commanded blessing of God Almighty, then I want to do it, right? Revelation song. Storms all around you. 
worthy of it all, those songs, I just want to make a point about that. These songs have a unique anointing on them because they're out of revelation with the commanded blessing of the Lord. So before we go into unity, I just want to make that point about a commanded blessing. Sometimes you may have seen me during worship or Pastor Jordan this morning. He wasn't sure exactly what he was supposed to do except wait on the Lord. And he started singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. A lot of times, well, I'll start singing those words. Many of you now will notice next week when I'm leading worship again. Sometimes when I don't know what to do, I start singing out of that book. Why? Because I know that there's a commanded blessing when I sing aloud and speak aloud that word. It says so in the beginning of that book. It's like a no-brainer. If there's something I can do to get that blessing from the Lord, for him to glorify himself, it's not about me. My desire as a worship leader is that you see Jesus when, when we're worshiping. So let's get back to that psalm. If God tells me that we are, when we are in unity, there is a commanded blessing, then I'm going to pursue that blessing. It would be crazy not to. We also see the power of unity in John chapter 17. And this is my life verse or my life scripture. It's what I live by and founded United Worship on. This is why I love being ministry at Rock of Grace. To me, the anointing of the power of the gospel in doing ministry together is wrapped up in this. This is the fulfillment of the Great Commission and also our vision here at Rock of Grace, leading people to follow Jesus together. This was Jesus' final prayer before he was betrayed. The very next verses after what we're going to read up here, he was arrested and betrayed by those closest to him. So if we put it in that context, because timing's important, right? What's the last thing he did before he went to die on the cross for us? What's the last thing he prayed for? It was for us. And it comes in John 17, verses 20 to 24. This is Jesus praying for us. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one, just as you and I are as one, as you are in me. Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. You hear that? So that the world will believe that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them, and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me, so that those in Warren, Ohio, and Cortland, and Kinsman, Ohio, will know that you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me. Man. I want to read that again. That, sorry, this is like, <laughs> this wrecks me every time I read it. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Father, I want those whom you have given me to be with to be with me where I am, that they can see all the glory you gave me because you loved me even before the world began. Jesus was desperate and is desperate that we all would be with him. And he says that unity, true unity, is how that happens. So what's unity? What is true unity? Do we have to agree on everything? We see a lot of organizations, even churches, function in their interpretation of unity. I see that all the time with United Worship. And many of you, if you've been at different church bodies or different denominations in your life, you see that. We, we see them say, we all agree on tongues or certain giftings of the spirit or missions or music styles or how we dress or politics or masks. But that's not real unity. And you can see the fruit or the lack of fruit in those organizations. We're going to go over what this sermon is titled, that true worship brings unity. And what's true worship then? I believe that our worship team, or the worship team at Immerse, would have the same anointing doing literally anything for Jesus. I think that we could go, guys on the worship team, Brandon, I think we could go to a baseball game together. And with the vision or, or, or the, the anointing and pray beforehand and know that we're in unity to say we want to lead somebody to Jesus or be ready for, a ministry, for ministry to happen. And I believe that we could go to a baseball game or to any outreach and watch God move 
Because there's an anointing on us and we're in unity. I don't agree with everyone I'm in ministry with on everything, on all things, but I am in relationship with them and I know them. I think the best of them, even when I have an opportunity not to. Think of the 2020. Talk about what it was. It was a huge opportunity to think the worst of people. And I refuse to do that. I found it's pretty hard to be upset with someone you just had dinner with or over for coffee and spent time with. So worship brings unity. Pretty much everyone who hears the word worship thinks of music, right? I know I always did. And I'm not discounting the power of what God can do when we sing and play music for him. I've seen crazy miracles happen during musical worship and many, many people to come to know Jesus during immerse and other worship times. Hundreds and hundreds of people. We're instructed to sing spiritual songs in the word. And since I'm the worship leader here, I think I don't have to clarify anymore that I do think it's biblical to sing songs and that musical worship is important. We see it in the Old and New Testament. But I don't think that when it comes to worship bringing unity that it actually has anything to do with it. It's now here... Can you bring up this, wait, okay, there you go. So I remember a few weeks ago when I, I told Pastor Jordan, I couldn't sleep one night and I was kind of going over and the Lord was giving me some nuggets about when I was gonna preach. And I said, are you ready? Here's the mic drop, Twitter ready phrase. It's not about singing the song, it's about living the song. Boom, mic drop. <laughs> it's not something that only those in leadership positions are on stage are called to. This last year, we've heard a lot of things said like, we're in this together all the time. I don't know about all those other things, but I can promise you that if we are called to Rock of Grace and we are all sons and daughters of Jesus Christ, then we are all called to live a life of worship. If we truly know Jesus and our identity in him, my my iPad literally just went crazy up here. Have you ever had that happen, Pastor Jordan? I could think of so many jokes right now. Is that an, an anointing that Pastor Jordan carries? You ever see where he's up here and then all of a sudden jokes and amazing things? I don't have any good jokes, but I already said them. Give me one second. It, okay, so we've heard this said a lot. We're all in this together, right? I don't know about all those things, but I can promise you, I've said that and I'm gonna read it again because it's pretty good. <laughs> that if we're called to Rock of Grace and we're sons and daughters, if you're a son or a daughter of Jesus Christ, then you are called to live a life of worship, a life of worship, not to come on Sunday mornings and hear somebody lead worship. If we truly know Jesus and our identity in him, if we are truly worshiping him with our lives, then unity will happen. And through that, the commanded blessing of the Lord. This is true in ministry, at work, at home, anywhere you go. Your finances, literally any part of your life. Just so just think right now, man, what's, what part of my life would it be, just be so awesome to have the commanded blessing of the Lord? One of the things that I really love as we have launched David Yu, which if you don't know what David Yu is and you have a heart for being in leadership and ministry, please see me or Pastor Jordan because it's an amazing thing that started. Um, but one of the things that I love while we've launched this, is to watch people truly learn and know their identity in Jesus. When we know who we are and whose we are, then we have no choice but to obey him. And disobedience isn't an option. Let me say that. When you know Jesus, disobedience isn't an option. To truly worship Jesus and to truly pursue unity, we must know our identity. Did you know that you're a priest? We've been learning about this in David University. Worship is not just for those who are on the worship team to do and for others to enjoy. In the Old Testament, the priest was the only one who could facilitate being in the presence of God. He was the only one for an entire nation, one man for an entire nation, for the entire world could go into the presence of God. And he had to go for everyone else. But because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross, you are now a priest. If you've given your life to him, 
and you know Jesus as your Savior, then you can be in his presence every single day without the help of anybody else. You can go because you are a priest. It's in the word of God many times. We see it in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. You yourselves, like living stones, are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So if you're a Christian, God has made you to be a part of something that he is building, the church. And he has called you to function in the church. So we're here today. He's called you to function at Rock of Grace as a priest. 1 Peter 2, chapter 2, verse 9 says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellences of him you called, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God is good, amen? My, my old pastor at, up in Middlefield would say, that's shouting stuff. Pastor Mike, if you're watching today, this is for you. Today in Assembly of God churches, or in most non-denominational churches, we don't use the word priest or think of one man to have authority to minister, but we do sometimes elevate those in ministry as the ones who have the anointing to do the ministry, right? We do it all the time with worship teams, worship leaders, and pastors. Do you know how much pressure I feel sometimes when I go to a place to lead worship and they think it's up to me to, to bring the glory of God? I used to, I used, it used to stress me out. In fact, it was stressing me out this week thinking of preaching until I realized and it was like a glory bomb on me that I don't have to do it. All I have to do is obey and walk in the anointing that Jesus has given me and he'll glorify himself. There's no pressure. We do it on social media. We look at, oh, this is the guy that's got millions of views on this word, and we elevate it as they're the ones that hear from God, and we don't. I'm not discounting that there is an anointing on specific people, but I am discounting the notion that you can't be a priest and hear from God. We've all heard of those who have been called as Levites, right? Pastor Jordan was talking about Levites this morning during worship. That they're set apart to minister, and we always associate that with musical gifting. Anybody with me? When you think of a Levite or somebody set apart or word about a Levite, it's always about they're good at music, right? Do you know what actually set apart the Levites from everybody else? It wasn't musical gifting. I can guarantee you that every single Levite, which I don't know how many thousands or hundreds of thousands of, in the tribe of Levi there were, but I can guarantee you that every single one of them wasn't a Pastor Jordan that is just maddenly good at, at everything to do with music. Trust me, anybody, like, I'm, I'm, I'm a decent singer, I can play guitar, I'm relatively decent at music, but this guy... Like, he knows every, he's like, oh, it's this, this, this. And it's, it's almost maddening. I'm, I'm joking around. I, we, I love you, Pastor Jordan. He makes me better at what I do. <laughs> He's so good at it. But I can guarantee you that all the Levites weren't just only gifted in music. The thing that set them aside was obedience and a heart of reconciliation. Let's look at what Scripture says. Okay, This is the story of the golden calf in Exodus 32. You guys know the story? So the people of God have been literally, visibly taken out of slavery. God opened up the Red Sea so that they could walk through. Then at night, there's a pillar of fire. During the day, there's, I, I mean, there's, God is very, very, very clearly leading them by miraculous signs and wonders. He's even feeding them, right? Everything they need. And Moses, their leader, who led them through that, goes up on a mountain to talk to God, and the people get restless. Are you kidding me? And they, they, they start to ask Aaron, the high priest, to make them a God that they can worship. And he does it. So Moses returns, and this is what happens. It's going to be up on the screen. Moses saw that Aaron had let the people get completely out of control, much to the amusement of their enemies. So he stood at the entrance to the camp and he shouted, all of you who are on the Lord's side, come here and join me. 
and all of the Levites gathered around him. This is what set the Levites apart. Reconciliation. It's because they were the only ones in that nation to say that obedience to the Lord and repentance is more important than their pride. They were set aside that day. That's one out of 12 tribes, a small percentage of the nation, the only ones willing to say, I'll repent for what I've done wrong. I was wrong, all of us were wrong, but I'm repenting before God and everybody else, and I'm saying, I'll lead the way into repentance and saying, I'm willing to do that. And God set them apart that day. You can be set aside today. You see, being a Levite, living a life of worship has literally nothing to do with music. As we said, it's about living a life submitted to the almighty God and the creator of the universe. It's about knowing him. You can have that amazing anointing of a Levite with the blessing, the commanded blessing of God almighty over you and your life. It's not just for me or Pastor Jordan or Pastor Mark or Pastor Andrew or Pastor Ed, it's not about that. It is about knowing Jesus. When we know him, when we are called, when we know him, we're called to live a life that honors him. We're called to the ministry of reconciliation because he reconciled or ended the chasm. We see that in songs, right? Living Hope, how great the chasm between us. He ended the chasm between us by his sacrifice. In my life, I have never seen fruit the way I have when I've pursued reconciliation, ever. So this is a definition of reconciliation, I think biblically. I don't know if this is like Webster Dictionary approved, but this is my version of it. Reconciliation is the end of the estrangement caused by sin between God and humanity. There was a great divide caused by sins so that all these rules had to be followed and only one person in the entire world could be in the presence of God. Sacrifice had to be made every single day. For you to come and worship God, you had to bring this crazy, messy sacrifice and let the priest go in for you to, be, to have your sins atoned. If God himself reconciled that divide... If he did that for me, then I must do the same for others. He did it for me knowing that I would sin against him and betray him. Do you know he died for Judas? Do you know that Jesus died for Barabbas? I can't truly live a life of worship when I have something in my heart against somebody else. I want to clarify because a lot of times this last year, well, they're doing this, they're doing this, they're doing this. It has nothing about to do about others' hearts in this context. It's about your heart. It doesn't mean that everything in your life is perfect. It means that you're aware of the things you've been harboring in your heart, and you've given them first to Jesus. And then you've gone to someone you've wronged or know that has an offense against you. There's obviously a need for a Christian brother or sister to do the same, but we're reminded several times in scripture to deal with our own sin issues, our own hearts, before judging others, right? So today's message is specifically about my heart condition, our own heart condition, not, not specific sins. Okay, I just wanna clarify that. I'm not, I'm not saying to let any, everything go. This is specifically today about our own heart condition. We must walk in forgiveness. This isn't an option. Matthew chapter 6, 14 and 15. This is, I think it's important also to know, this scripture is directly the next verse after the Lord's Prayer, after he teaches us how to pray. After he says, this is how you pray, taught by Jesus himself. He then says, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. The will paraphrase would be, if you're not willing to walk in forgiveness, you can forget about all the other stuff. First things first. You might be thinking that this is way too simple, Will. If I pursue reconciliation to know and truly love those, 
truly love those around me, to truly walk in forgiveness and show honor even to those who have wronged me and have a pure heart before God, that all of a sudden God will anoint me to do amazing things? Yes. Yes, it's a commanded blessing. God cannot lie. It's impossible in God's character that he would lie to me. So I can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if I obey what he says, even the simple crazy things, right? We put so much weight on ourselves. I got to do I do that with worship. I got to do this exactly right. I'm sure as as parents, my wife with homeschooling probably puts added pressure on herself to do well. I was doing it this week with this sermon. I want to do well. But the reality is, is God wants to glorify himself. So if I can get the things in my life out of the way so that he can move, it's a commanded blessing. The point isn't just to do these things. The point is to love Jesus so much that I want to obey him and please him. He's done so much for me. He's done so much for you. I love him so much that I can't even consider the option of not obeying him no matter how hard it would be. Here's another example in the Bible. This is Matthew chapter 5, verses 23 and 24. It says, so if you are offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. I want to share part of my testimony to, to illustrate this. And I, I have asked permission from everybody I'm going to mention today, Ruth. <laughs> I was born, some of you know this, some of you don't. I was actually born blind in my left eye, but I had an eye up until 2009. But in the early 2000s, I was put into a position as a worship leader at our home church my parents were there. I was there. My parents are still there. It's an awesome church. But I was put into a position there basically because I was talented. And my gifting as a leader was, was definitely seen, but I didn't understand it. I didn't know what it meant to lead. So I led worship. I sang songs. I definitely wanted to see a move of God. I grew up in the church and with an amazing Christian family, so I always believed. But I don't really think I knew who I was in him. See, my identity was that I was good at music and I was a good singer. How many of you can relate? Like, just, just close your eyes and think, think for a minute. Who am I? I can just, I know, because this is our, I, our flesh and how we are. I'm saying, well, I'm a, I'm a good dad. I'm a really good teacher. I'm a good mom. I... I, I I provide for my family. Today, if your identity is in what you do instead of whose you are, you will fall into the same trap that I did. I deeply cared for my friends, but those I didn't naturally click with, I didn't really take the time to care. So for several years, we did really good music, but saw no true ministry results. Melanie and Ryan were at that church back here. Melanie and Ryan, can you wave back here? So our whole booth back here today was with me at that church and are here today. They're amazing. Melanie and Ryan, yeah, incredible. They were on that worship team, so was Ruth. Those of you who know my family know that Martin and Ruth, Martin, give a wave over, there's Martin over here. Martin's back there in the back. Martin is part of our family. Martin and Ruth are part of our family. It's like when you think of the Collins family, you think of the Bakers. We get invited places together. They come to weddings and funerals together. We, we're, we're, we do life together because we're, we're family, but we're not blood relatives. But it wasn't always that way. I didn't like Ruth back then, and she knew it. She was on my worship team. She knew I didn't like her. I didn't treat her well. I gossiped about her. I rolled my eyes at her behind her back. Everybody on the team and in that church knew I didn't think much of her. I sinned against her and others that I was called to minister to. In 2009, I started to get severe headaches that completely interrupted my everyday life. 
It got to the point that I would, I would be throwing up sick every day at work. I was in excavating. And I ended up going to the hospital, and they found a mass behind my eye, pressing against the nerves there and, and into my brain. And because I already had no sight in that eye, the safest way to remove the tumor was to remove my eye. Until the surgery happened, I was told that there was a good possibility I had cancer. I didn't really share that with too many people. But I didn't. There was no cancer. And after the surgery, I was allowed to literally do nothing. I wasn't allowed, I think I had a 10-pound weight limit for lifting things for a month. No work, no music, no going upstairs, no holding my daughter. So my identity was taken away. I was a husband. I was a provider. I was a singer. I was good at what I did. I was a hard worker. One night I was feeling sorry for myself. And Tab on her way up to bed put a Bible on the couch beside me. I was pretty upset with God and I brushed it onto the floor after she went to bed because if she would have seen me brush it on the floor... You think, she is very the sweetest woman ever, but she does know when to tell me how it is. Right, Tab? In a good way. Love you. <laughs> I'm trying to dig out of that. Okay. I think I did good. Love you, Tab. So I brushed it on the floor, and later that night I remember waking up, and I looked at the Bible, and I, I literally, in my spirit, it looked like it was on fire. So I picked it up, and I opened it, and it had, when it had fallen, it had fallen to the, the book of Judges, chapter 6, to the story of Gideon. Anybody familiar with the story of Gideon? I started to read. I was Gideon. Some of you today are Gideons. I was afraid, and I didn't know my identity. The Bible says that Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press, which was a hole in the ground, and he was scared to be seen. He didn't want to be seen. He was afraid. And we see later on, directly after God appears, an angel of the Lord appears to him, that Gideon actually argues with God. And he tells God that he's chosen the wrong guy, that he's the weakest in his family. You got it wrong. You got to choose somebody else who's stronger than me. But what I saw that day was verse 12. Judges 6.12, and the angel of the Lord appeared to him and said to him, the Lord is with you, O mighty man of valor. God saw Gideon as the complete warrior, courageous and ready for battle, even though his feelings and everything in him, his own knowing his, his identity was totally wrong. It was the opposite. God saw him for who he was, and that was me. God saw me as a warrior, and he sees you the same way today. Something happened to me right then and there. I started to worship God in my living room at night with nobody else around. I started to worship him. Tears are going down my face. I started, I'm surprised to have him wake up and think, what's going on? I remember yelling, praising the Lord, telling him he's holy. He's worthy. I wanted to glorify him and obey him, and I knew what I needed to do. Not because of some pressure or guilt, because, but because I wanted to be nearer and nearer to Jesus. I got a taste of it, and I wanted more of his presence. So I told my wife, and the next week, which I wasn't supposed to play music yet, I showed up at church, and I had a meeting with the worship team. I repented. I wept. I said and I vowed to them that we're going to glorify Jesus with everything we do with our team and we're going to watch him move. I asked Ruth to forgive me. And she did. The next week, I led worship again. Think of the timing of this. The next week, I led worship again. And for the first time in my life, I saw someone be healed during worship. The week after that, for the first time in my life, I led someone to Jesus Christ. We built relationships and friendships in that ministry that are still strong today. We saw a revival. We saw many people know Jesus as Savior. I don't keep track of scores and things too much, but I do keep track of how many salvations that I've seen happen, not just in my life, but those around us in ministry, and it's well over 2,000 since that day. And that's not about me, guys. 
It's because he's faithful. The things that I've prayed for and longed for, when I did this, I saw happen. Today, Ryan and Melanie are here, and not only in ministry with me here, but at United Worship. Ruth and Martin are literally our family. Do we agree on everything? Nope. But because God commands me to, and because I have invested more than a song in them, I know that even if I see another believer doing something I wouldn't, I will think the best of them, and I am free. This might seem overly simple, but I don't think that the gospel is meant to be confusing, guys. I think it's meant to be understood. I'm telling you today that if you see something different in me or wonder where the anointing or the fruit comes from, I can tell you with 100% confidence, 100%, that it is because I know who I am, whose I am, and that disobedience is not an option. It's because I'm reconciled with my brothers and sisters. Because of this, there's a commanded blessing. I don't get the luxury of going even one day with something in my heart against my brother. Just ask the worship team or anybody with United Worship. Before we worship corporately or lead others, we surrender literally everything to him because there's lives at stake stake with how we worship. Again, it's not the song It's the anointing that comes from unity, from a group that is reconciled to God and each other. Please understand, I'm not saying that preparation or excellence isn't important. It is. We're called to do things with excellence as unto the Lord, and that's another message for another day. But what I am saying is that I would rather have the blessing of anointing than anything else. One of my mentors, Pastor David Gray, which if you come to Immerse, he's a great friend of mine. He's a Southern Baptist preacher. He told me a story that has always stuck with me. Pastor David is a very polished and accomplished speaker. He's on the board of some big schools. He's just amazing and intimidating. But he told me a story of when he was younger, how he and another man he knew went and preached at the same church. And I'm not sure if it was a conference or church service, but they both preached. Pastor David said his sermon was spot on just as he had practiced. It was perfect, but there wasn't much response. And then his friend came up and spoke, and he wasn't very well-refined or well-spoken. He lost his place many times, like I lost my iPad this morning, right? He didn't do very well in comparison. But when the altar call came, the place was completely flooded. And Pastor David was shocked. See, there was an unmistakable anointing on this man. As I was preparing this week and getting nervous, I remembered this story. I'd rather have the anointing and blessing of God over my family and life than anything else, guys, than anything. More than having financial security, of having an album reach millions of people. I want the anointing of God on my life. And the best thing I can do today is to share that with you so that you can have the anointing and blessing of Jesus over you and your family. And the way to do that is so simple, to truly worship him with your life, to reconcile first with Jesus and then with others, which is worship that will bring unity. I'm gonna have Pastor Jordan come up. As we get ready to close today, I just want to be really transparent and real with you guys. I want to humbly ask you to truly examine your heart. Can we just all close your eyes in here? Maybe if you guys want to bring the lights down a little bit. Just, we're not going to have an altar call where you guys come up and respond. This is going to be right from where you're at. So just close your eyes. I want to humbly ask you to truly examine your heart. Maybe God is showing you something that you didn't even realize was there today. From hearing me talk about my life and this, you're just thinking, man, and it starts to pry at your heart a little bit. The needing for reconciliation. 
I remember when I realized I had carried an offense with someone in a different state and I was leading worship that, that exact night. I wrote a letter to them right then and there because it wasn't worth it to me to wait and possibly miss out on the anointing that night. Maybe you've been carrying a weight or a hurt for years and years and years and you haven't been able to let it go. Maybe you need to forgive yourself. Or maybe you need to be reconciled to Jesus by giving your life to him anew. Today's Mother's Day. When I talk to moms about what they want most, do you know what it is? It's not a gift. It's not something that somebody could give them or anything like that. Every time the answer is the same, 100%, they want their family together. And I don't mean physically. I mean they want their children and family in unity. That's the desire of your mom's heart today. So if we want to honor our mom, let's all of us honor Jesus and reconcile to him first. Our response time right now, as I said, it looks different. We're going to worship Jesus by making sure that we are in right standing with him. And if you're not, if you're not in right standing with him, then today, right now, you have an opportunity. Jesus died on a cross for you so that you could be free so that you can be in his presence, in the presence of God Almighty in your home and in your car without having somebody else have to go. You don't have to come bring all these crazy sacrifices. The sacrifice you bring is yourself and your heart. Jesus died on a cross and he rose again. And the word of God clearly says that if you'll invite him into your life and believe that he's the son of God, you'll have eternal life. And before we worry about reconciling with anybody else in the room, first things first, let's reconcile to him. So with your eyes closed, I'm not going to have you come up here. We're all as one going to pray this prayer together if it's you. And maybe you're watching online and it's you and that's awesome. If you would like to give your life to Jesus this morning, or if you would like to rededicate your life to Jesus this morning, would you just give me a wave so we can pray together? I'm not going to call you up here. Just give me a wave. Amen. Amen. Just give it another minute. Just keep your eyes closed. I'm the only one looking. We're not going to make a big deal about this. Just give me a wave. Feel the Lord saying, wait. Anybody else? Amen. There's several. We're going to pray together, and I'm going to ask you, church family, my brothers and sisters in here, let's pray this with these folks, okay? Just remember, this isn't just because you're repeating words. It's a condition of your heart, acknowledging him as Savior. So can we do this together, you guys? Just repeat after me. Dear Jesus, today, I repent of my sins, and I invite you into my life. I believe that you are the Son of God, and that you died on a cross And you rose again so that I could be free. Thank you, Jesus. Next, we're going to search our hearts. If there's something that we need to make right with a brother or sister. Because we have a crazy, impossible job to do at Rock of Grace. We can't reach 10 cities without the anointing of God. And it starts right here, right now, today. Pastor Jordan's gonna lead us in a song before we close, and I'm not asking you to go do anything except that if God reveals something in your heart to not wait, and this week, make it right. Let's stand up as we sing this and make it a declaration. And when we sing the word worship, like Will said, think of it in the context of giving God 
absolute glory through obedience, through being willing to be reconciled with someone, we say this word worship. blessing, the blessing of God Almighty, the commanded blessing over you, family, over you, church. I speak it over you, and I thank you, God, that you are reconciling hearts to you and to each other right now, Jesus. Thank you for the anointing. I want to speak over every man in this place that if you're worried about losing respect, I have never once in my life seen somebody humble themselves and lose respect. I have only seen them gain it. Be reconciled to him and watch him move. Watch revival come to the Amish community. Watch revival come to Warren, Ohio. Watch the the children and grandchildren that you've been desperate to know Jesus come to see him as Savior. But don't do it just for that. Do it because he is worthy of our praise, church. He is worthy of our praise. Father, thank you for your presence here today. Thank you for this amazing honor and blessing to be here with my family. And we go in your name with the commanded blessing of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Be blessed, church.